Hello and welcome to Core Sampler, the podcast where we drill into the Sitecore community to bring you insights into the work talented people are doing every day on the Sitecore Experience platform. Whether you're a developer, a marketer, or both, we're glad you're here. And now your host, Derek Dysart. Welcome to Core Sampler. My name is Derek Dysart, and in this episode, we talk with Jesper Ravensgard. Jesper is currently the principal strategist at Copenhagen Mist, a service company that focuses on running Sitecore on the Azure platform. And uh, as you'll hear in this interview, Jesper has a bit of history with that. Was one of the um, uh, actually formerly the director of cloud services at Sitecore and responsible for some of the early. Uh, Sitecore Azure modules, and we kind of discuss that history. And then we get into what are the challenges that um, Sitecore customers face running on Azure. Um, most of them are not technical. Uh, if if you've done any work, uh, logged into the Azure portal, standing standing up services is, uh, is actually painfully easy, uh, painful from a financial standpoint, which we kind of get into. Um, but knowing what to put up and uh, knowing what services are needed, it can be a challenge. We kind of talk about what approach companies should take. So without further delay, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Jesper. Jesper, welcome to Core Sampler. Thanks, sir. So you had reached out to me, actually, um, I think after, uh, after I had interviewed uh, Sumith and Oves um, on... On XP and stuff, but you um, you kind of have an interesting history as as you and I have been chatting about um, how Sitecore you running Sitecore on on Microsoft Azure. So I, I don't know, tell people a little bit about your background. Right. Um, so I started in Sitecore in uh, in uh, 2010 as a product manager. Prior to that, I was working in a consultancy which also had a fairly large operations uh, department, did a lot of hosting. So I was across both aisles uh, for a large period of my uh, life. And uh, so I started a Sitecore, and uh, the first thing I was tasked with was actually to take what was a demo at the time and productize it. And that was what became Sitecore Azure that was released as a module. Yeah, the Sitecore uh, Azure module. <laughs> uh, a very innovative module, um, but also a very painful thing to look back at uh, uh-huh. these days now. So... Psycho was originally uh, an idea for a demo that was uh, that was spun up and built by uh, a solution architect at Psycho called Mikkel. Um and he built this. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't know what that module was, oh. but basically it was, a, was a, obviously it was a Psycho module. You installed it, and then you would get this map of the world, and yep. there would be these little gumdrops of each of the data centers that were available at the time. And simply by clicking on the data center, you would uh, provision resources and deploy to that. Yeah, I, I worked on a project that actually used it, and it was an interesting. It's it's an interesting um, kind of topology that you have to deploy. So you still have to have an on-prem server because that's your your deployment server, and that's yeah. where the module runs from to push everything out to Azure PaaS, and then you know, and then you go. And it was there. very static at the time, which was also. Um, in some way a core strength so instead of having a server that you could go and manipulate you would deploy what was known as a web role which was a server image uh-huh. which yes you could change it but it was at the risk of being overridden by the original image at any given time and some people were super uncomfortable with that and I guess a lot of people today would be uncomfortable with that idea but from an operational point of view it does have a lot of strength and merit because you know what you have out there it's a desired state yeah. Uh, that's defined 
um, now if you need to do some changes urgently, then it becomes messy. And if you need to customize it different ways, then it becomes messy. But there is a paradigm shift in in, in having a very static image uh-huh. and trusting that. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, well, it was pretty groundbreaking at the time because prior to that, everything was, you know, it, whether it, you stood up Sitecore on a virtual machine or it was a bare metal server, it was still very stuck in that old mindset of, you know, single server, single yes. use. And the licensing took several years before that kind of accommodated that you would have multiple servers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, with, 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 a, with a platform like Azure, uh, even at the early days, the strength would be in having multitudes of servers in many locations, that redundancy. You would need a minimum of, of two instances because they would be restarted at random times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They still do. That's yep. the idea. It's unstable by design, and you stabilize it by having redundancy. Um, so, so in many ways, it, it flips the script. Um, and even even today, almost ten years later, people are still I still meet people who are kind of uncomfortable with not having that complete control on when is my service being restarted, or right, patched, right. et cetera. Well, yeah, and you so you know, we can kind of maybe fast forward to what is what does it mean today, and how do how do you run Sitecore? Because how you run Sitecore on on Azure is a lot different than you know it kind of started out <laughs> as that you know like you said it was a demo module that became a problem. It was a demo that was that was that got a lot of attention early when it was a demo that was rushed to become a product uh-huh. um, and to bring in some uh, some customers on it. Uh, Microsoft obviously had a huge interest in this as well. So, oh, I'm sure, yeah. So outside of the say, the tech track of developing this and maturing it. Um, well, actually, just to take another step back, one thing was the functionality of the module that would do the provisioning, mm-hmm. uh, spin up the resources, manage that whole process. There was also a parallel development within Sitecore to adapt Sitecore to live in that kind of environment. Mm-hmm. So uh, handling session state, externalize that, things like that. Uh, search, uh, adapting Lucene at the time. Yep. Uh, yep. To, or the Lucene implementation to, to deal with this. So that was... That was the tech part. So that had like these two pieces. There was the provisioning part, uh, and then there was the how do we adapt and quote unquote certify uh, Sitecore to run on Azure, yeah. and how do we process wise also adapt, you know, make sure that all the different Sitecore modules can keep up. Because yeah. one thing is to to update it so it works for whatever version. When the next version is released, do we need to you know reevaluate whether it works on Azure or not, or was this just an architectural decision that was made? and pushed forward to all subsequent versions. Oh. That part turned out to be really, really hard from a, an organizational point of view in Sitecore. Yeah. Then it was the other part, which was the business relationship with, with Microsoft and building that bridge, uh, both on the commercial side, but also to the product teams uh, in, uh, in, in, in Redmond, uh-huh. uh, primarily in Redmond. So the, 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 the tech side of that was something that was bridged uh, over to my desk one way or the other. Um, and that grew over the years. So it started very small, and it's uh, it's a significant part of, of life in uh, in Sitecore now. I'm I'm, I'm assuming uh, yeah. I'm out of Sitecore. I've been since uh, 2016, uh, but in those years I was there, it was uh, it was just growing and growing and growing that activity footprint. Yeah, and yeah. aligning that and understanding where's the platform going and how do we move the product in the right direction and how do we stop you know making the wrong assumptions and. And, uh, and built in the wrong direction. Well, and it's, and it's obvious looking at the, the announcements that Sitecore made at Symposium around you know, a, a SaaS offering and right. uh, leveraging a lot of the machine learning AI 
for automatic personalization. That's all, you know, that's got to be all, so, you know, I, I don't know any better, but it's got to be all from that relationship with Microsoft. I mean, they had Scott Guthrie uh, on stage at Symposium. The whole ML part or AI part is, is pretty close to Scott Guthrie, as I understand it. Uh-huh. So uh, he's been pushing or promoting that uh, along with a lot of other things. He's basically been tying the Azure platform together from being a set of different product teams doing cloud offerings that were very different uh-huh. and there's still traces of that to bringing it together, aligning it, adding more services. Um, he's been extremely visionary in what kind of uh, services that Microsoft would bring in that would, that would enable stuff down the road such as API management mm-hmm. at a very early stage. Um, and I think a lot of that work is it's never complete, but it's quite it's, it's well-baked at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think the next major challenge is in the AI space and how to use that uh, and how to get that into solutions and you know, off, the, off the whiteboard. Uh-huh. And, uh, and what Sitecore is doing in that direction is I think that's... Uh, that's the wedding Microsoft's appetite and the market's appetite as well. Sure. Oh, definitely. So, yeah, like, as you indicated, you're not with Sitecore anymore. So kind of and, and this was part of why you reached out to me. I'm, I'm curious because you seem to work with a lot of customers deploying to Azure. And how does the, what are what are the common challenges that they face today? And, you know, I've, I've had several customers that they they're. They've doubled down on Microsoft. They've, they're, they're moving their business to Dynamics 365. They're on Office 365. Mm-hmm. They, they love Microsoft's cloud offering. Now they're like, we want our website there. So what, is, what are the challenges? I think the, the biggest challenge is, uh, is, is understanding your own skill level. Uh-huh. I, and this, this might sound a little arrogant, but the whole we don't know what we don't know is, is, is massive in this space. And it's, it's driven by the the relative ease of logging onto the Azure portal and clicking a few places, and then you have some resources and they're running. Yeah. Uh, so that part is super easy. The reality of things is actually the, the whole lifecycle process around managing a service or offering a service or running a service is not really what's the, what the developer's domain is. Uh-huh. It's a process design, and you have to think about a lot of different things like what happens if I'm you know, off my desk, off my team, or we need to change certain things. Who owns what resources? How do we know what we provision is the right stuff? Right. How do we deprovision? Because deleting is easy, but uh, an example I often use is if you have a team of four people and person A is provisioning something um, and that resource is known to person A, person B, C, and D, they, they would never delete it or modify that. They would be, you know, afraid right. of breaking something. So, you have like this eel trap where it's very easy to put stuff in. It's very hard, not from a technical point of view, but from a you know, human behavior, uh, organizational point of view, to, to, uh, to, to take that out. And you'll have a lot of different things related to that that cascades around. You know, I've, I'm often invited in to review and look at installations, and there is a ton of um, junk and stuff that should be cleaned up huh. or that's not... Uh, that's not been thought through in terms of how do we manage cost around this. And sometimes even, you know, the developers or whoever's provisioning resources, they don't have insight into what, 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 what did they cost right. or what should they cost? Uh, is this done the right way? So everybody's starting from scratch and building their own basis of experience. And in a domain like this, which is extremely fast moving, I think there's something like 200, 200 plus services on Azure, yeah, each yeah. with their own product team, each evolving constantly, yeah. not with, you know, 
a new release every year or every other year. It's like quarterly, at least, if not faster. New stuff is happening. Prices are changing. So keeping up with that is actually a, a, a full-time job. Right. So if you do this as, as a side gig to your development, it's very powerful. You can do a lot, but keeping it up at a production level, it, that really requires dedicated, uh, a dedicated focus. Um, and that's, that's basically where we come in and we, we try to, to organize that around the platform that, that we've developed uh, uh-huh. in Copenhagen Mist. And so, so you, you mentioned Copenhagen Mist. What is, what is the offering? So, the, so essentially, um, uh, this was founded after I left Sitecore in, in, in 2016. And uh, at some point after doing basic consulting around Azure, um, the realization was that a lot of these sidecore installations actually have the same needs. And instead of building it ground up, we've developed a framework that we call Azure Blueprint for Sitecore, mm-hmm. which we are managing and we, we try to provide all these services so the developers, the Sitecore developers, Sitecore teams do not have to think about. And we can share you know, the architectural insight, knowledge, optimizations uh, across all these various uh, customers. Uh-huh. Um, it's... it's, it's, it's um, it's exciting to work with some new technologies and spin up new resources and do things, but it becomes a bit of a patchwork. So yeah. from a business point of view, uh, it might not be the sensible thing to do. It's fun. I, I completely get that. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's basically something that every developer would think as a fun thing to do. Well, I mean, I, like, I, I'm old enough to remember that like, provisioning a new server used to take months because you'd order it and they'd have oh, to yeah. deliver it and you'd have to rack it and, and all that. And, and you'd be knee-deep in styrofoam and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and cables. And then, and, and then now it's just, yeah, like you said, it's a couple of clicks and then some developer could you know, provision a, 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 a SQL database is going to cost them several thousand bucks. But we're also in a world now where it's microservices, it's specialized services. They're high-level managed services, for example, a database. So you do not just spin up a server. You spin up, for one of the customers that we have, uh, something like 500 resources. Uh And how do you keep track on what should be set up in what way? On what scale, Uh, what size? what scale, over time. And some of them are tiny and almost don't come with a cost component. It might just be, be dust lying around. Is it, is it in use? Is it not in use? How do you orchestrate all that? How do you, how do you manage the life cycle and mm-hmm. clean it up? And you know, what would this look like three years from now? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely a challenge. And it's, it's, it's always been a challenge, I think, with Sitecore of when you go to deploy it, typically you'll have like an IT department. And they, yeah. they, stand, up the, they stand up the server and they, they, they enable IIS and you get Sitecore, you know, installing Sitecore is you know getting a production server up and running is you know was is has always been a challenge it now works, right? had, but containers it will be you know easier and faster to uh-huh. do that it's uh, there's definitely if you look at just the pattern of Sitecore installation framework that's made mm-hmm. you know deploying a, a large topology of you know Sitecore had a single install and it was like next 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 where's my yeah. license fall okay here yeah. we go and that's not you know a, almost every production system wasn't that because this is a multi server Installation and now you 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 put the complexity of now you've got a you need somebody that knows both kind of how Sitecore works, what it needs, what what services. But then it needs. you have and, to add some additional layers to this, right? So you have your your whatever content delivery uh, or CDN that you're using in front of it. You have with XConnect, you have a large number of roles you need to maintain. You yep. have your scaling logic. You have your monitoring around it. You have um, you know, continuous optimization of a lot of different things. Um, alerting, uh, networking, 
And it becomes, so when you're dealing with microservices, which this is the direction the platform is moving in, mm -hmm. it, it started as, an, as this awful monolith, and it's, it's breaking up a little bit, and that's helpful, but it's not really there. Yep. Um, it just it multiplies the work, mm -hmm. especially if you're doing it by hand. So, yep. uh, it's a, but primarily, and I think I've, you know, I've, I've, I've said that one way or the other before, it's, 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 it's very much an organizational problem. Yep. Process and organization more than a technical problem challenge the yeah. tech here is pretty straightforward and it's knowable i mean yeah. there's this stuff's documented and there's a yeah. lot but it's yeah I, i i agree i've seen organizations you know th that's where they struggle it's you know like who who owns this is this development yes. is it is it it is it you know is it the infrastructure people and shadow it is 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 this awful thing but it's also this great opportunity if it's managed the right way uh-huh um I mean, that's been kind of cycles in to go through the CMO instead of the CIO. Right. Uh, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Well, if it's SaaS, if it's managed somewhere else, then it might be a good thing. But you still, then you go back to policies. Like, we have these policies of XYZ. How do we manage that in our client's organization? Or how do our client manage that or justify that internally? Uh -huh. and, 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 and again, with complexity, with multiple services talking together, it can, it can work against you if you do not approach it with you know, a little bit of thinking. Yeah. Into that. So, I mean, obviously we're kind of making it sound like, wow, this is really complex. It can have, I mean, what's the, the benefit out of it? I mean, you've obviously worked with several customers where once it's all said and done, you have the processes in place. What, like, so um, what we try to do is actually to take that complexity away and run it uniformly across those customers. So our, you can say our investment in, As a, as, a, as a knowledge center and, and, and uh, as a provider is really to focus on that so we can deliver uniformly across those customers so they don't have to build that knowledge base uh, uh -huh. on their own side. And I think in a lot of different domains, I mean, that's why you would reach out to any kind of expert, right. uh, your accountant, whatever. So sure. you don't have to build that up yourself. Uh, uh -huh. um, so we try to define that with some pretty clear boundaries of who's doing what. Uh, how we how we get the the the, the actual product or the site uh, into our part of the infrastructure, and then we, in some sense, we black box and say we'll deal we'll deal with the rest. Yeah, um, we're fairly transparent on how we're dealing with it, so it's not a black box. But from an operational side, a point of view, it's it's a question of like hand that part over or push that in here, and then you know the rest is being done because your site installation is not that unique, you know, compared with the next one. Yeah. There are differences, of course, but a lot of the fundamental needs are exactly the same. You want that level of security around it. You want to be able to scale and scale not just in one location, maybe across multiple locations. You want to be able to upgrade. You want to be able to push out new code. You want to be able to optimize uh, on performance or get telemetry that can help you optimize uh -huh. uh, that feedback. You want to be able to debug, solve problems. Yeah. Uh, and, and these platforms, they also bring in great ways of working with problems proactively, seeing problems essentially before your customers or visitors are flagging them for you. So you can work, you can, you can, you can flip the process around and start chasing those bugs before they are visible problems. Of course, the, the problems, the exceptions, they need to happen before you can catch them. Um, but uh, there's a lot of opportunity in that. So really, the, you know, I think at the end of it all, You need a certain skill level to harvest all those bullet points um, that you see on, you know, the decks of the that say what's the power of this cloud thing, whatever is Azure or something. Else. Uh huh. Uh huh. And that's what we're trying to do. 
and, and there's a lot of great people out there that know exactly how to do it. But I think the majority actually struggle with it without knowing that they're struggling. Yeah. Well, it's, we'll get to that. It's, yeah. it's a maturity question. It's a, it's a fairly new uh, thing, you know, still in, in, in the new industry. It's 10 years. Yeah, I mean, it is relatively new, although it feels like it's been around for, I mean, AWS has been around forever. I remember when, you know, Microsoft Azure launched and it's, yeah, it's, you know, and, and as you indicated, Microsoft is, is constantly changing the Azure offering. And you have, you have infinite power at your fingertips, yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is amazing. I have a friend that's like grossly aware of that. He, you know, needed to do, needed to do something really quick, like needed 20 minutes, like provisioned, uh, it wasn't a machine. I want to say it was like a SQL server instance. He needed to process some data, most powerful SQL server. And he forgot to shut it off. Yeah. You know, and he was like, Oh, you know, I've, I've got like a hundred dollar a month Azure credit or something like that. And he had a bill for like $3,000 within the next, you know, and that's that's nothing. I mean, I've I've heard and seen things go much worse than that. Yeah. So uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's easy to run up a big tab. Anyway, you, you hear the, you hear the same thing from people that use, uh, AWS. It's any of these places you can. Yeah. You have infinite power to provision stuff. And if, if you compare it to iTunes when it came out uh, originally, the oh, sorry, the iTunes Store, uh-huh. where you could just click and then buy a song for one dollar yeah. or whatever currency was uh, right, right, right. In, in, in your location, um, it became super easy just to click and buy something. Yeah, it was a one click. They licensed the one click thing from Amazon, I think. Yeah. Um, and and I thought it was very thought provoking at the time. It's like when you remove all barriers to spending money for doing something. I mean, what you know? Are you just gonna go nuts, or is it going to 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 level out at some okay level? Or you know, will they will they just uh, arrest you because you you spend too much? Spend too much money. Yeah. Now you can go straight to bankruptcy. Yeah. Um, I mean, that that's a great thing. That we remove those barriers, but it also it comes with risk. Yeah, uh, that's you know you have speed limits. Even in Germany now, they're they're talking about putting speed limits on the autobahn. Um, that, and that's for good reason. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, I've seen n- numerous examples of someone's overspending on Asher, uh, getting that sticker shock after after the fact, uh, ten thousand dollars or more within Sitecore. That was a period where. Again, back to the organizational part. If you provide a number of a large number of developers with uh, subscriptions, some of the stuff that they will spin up will be offered. Yeah. It builds into an enterprise agreement or something like that, and the visibility of when you're going beyond, you know, that, that requires that you have the right um, uh, control measures in place uh, and policies and things like that. Yeah. That's complex. Yeah, it's super easy just to give you the keys, but you know, there's a lot of other stuff to actually govern and manage that. Um, so that's one of the biggest challenges, really. And for, you see, it, it's also, you can also have it in a way where it, it creeps up on you, where it's not this, this radical, whatever, single resource that, that grabs it or a DDoS attack or right. whatever, whatever it could be. Uh-huh. You know, people worry about a lot of different things uh, yeah. for good reason. But, um, but it can also just be feature creep or resource creep, I guess we should call it. Sure. Sure. Um, where people are adding, adding, there's no visibility in, you know, why is it there? It's not very transparent. You're running 200, 300 services. Uh, justifying why this database is at this level actually requires that somebody reviews it and goes into it and says, could this be scaled differently? Uh-huh. And maybe there's good reason for it being at the scale is at. That might not be visible to someone just 
casually or reviewing it one way or the other. Yeah. Um, so so it's it's it, that makes it complicated. Great for Microsoft. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they have a. So even though they're optimizing on capacity, I'm I'm absolutely convinced that they are enjoying that the people are overspending as well. Well, yeah, I, I'm sure they. I'm sure they are, and it's. I mean, as a company, it's been pretty obvious they've really pivoted, and this is what they're. You know, this is Sachin Adela's legacy for his part of the company. Yes, is, you know, you had, definitely. You had Gates came up, and it was you know the the company mission at the time was you know a desktop on it. Or a computer on every desktop, and they they they, they won that one. They they achieved that mission probably around like the late nineties, and then it was you know not right. then moving into the, the the services and stuff. Now it's you know the computer Azure. went into the pocket. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So, but it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's very interesting to see Microsoft move in that direction. It's a massive change, mm-hmm. and they've done it very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I I I, I think. People know that I, you know, I worked there in the early 2000s, and I still have I, I, coworkers from back then that are, you know, now celebrating their 20 year anniversary at Microsoft, and it's just, I just I can't imagine it, it. It has to be interesting to have worked there through that this whole kind of change because the company is completely pivoted. So it's um, you know, and they 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 still you know love going to work every day. But 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 back to the consumption part. It's uh, they also pivoted in the sense that now, as far as I understand it. Their field sales, they're not getting compensated for selling an enterprise agreement or selling uh, prepaid consumption. They're being comped on the action consumption. How is mm-hmm. the services being used? Yeah. Uh, and so, again, there's some incentivized, it's being incentivized to, to overuse. Um, it makes sense from where they're going. They need to commit people into actually using things and not just buying unused resources because they're very easy to move away from uh-huh. the stickiness. Yeah. But again, you know, as that footprint is growing, where would you end up as a as a as a business and 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 again there's another one there's like sometimes it's actually okay to overconsume because it meets your priorities or other goals you don't have to be optimal on every single dial here right um there is some talk about that what they're really fighting over amazon and google and and microsoft is is who's using the platform in 20 years, right? The customers they're getting now are staying on their platform for the next 20 years. Well, it's really hard to move off. So it's, I think a, if you, it's, so it's a very, very long-term investment, and it's a massive investment that they're, they're throwing into this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who's on, who's on, who's on what cloud now would be, that will probably be on the same one 20 years from now. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the, the driving idea. Yeah. Well, Jesper, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate you coming on. Where can uh, where can people find you online and learn more information? About um, you? I think uh, we have a very boring Twitter. That would be the worst place to start, but it's at cphmist.com. Okay. Uh, and then there's a website. That's www.cphmist.com. Yeah, yeah and, and check, then check the show notes. We'll have links to all yeah, that. And, yeah, and then, and then there's uh, the, the, the Azure platform that we're offering. That's uh, azureblueprint.com. Nice, nice. Yeah, we'll get links to all that. And LinkedIn, and yeah, everywhere. Google, Bing, even. I don't (laughs) know. (laughs) Maybe. Great, great. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Derek. And we'll uh, talk to you all next time. Great. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Core Sampler. To see show notes from this and past episodes, please visit coresampler.fm. There, you can also subscribe to this podcast to get new episodes as soon as they're released. If you liked what you heard today, please tell a friend and then go to iTunes to rate and comment on our show. Even if you're using a different app to listen to us, those ratings and reviews really do help others find us. 
Are you a professional working with Sitecore and interested in joining the show? Or would you like to leave some feedback directly? We want to hear from you. Drop us a line at info at coresampler.fm. That is all for this episode of Core Sampler. We'll see you next time.